Hi there, this is Pastor Wilkie from Sure Foundation. I just want to take a second and ask that if you really enjoy these sermon podcasts and this is something that, that builds you up throughout the week, I'm just I would just ask that you subscribe on whatever podcast uh, channel you listen on. And I would ask that, that you would give us a, a review on, on that same platform. This just helps our message get seen by more people so that more people might hear about Jesus. The following sermon was preached on the basis of Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 27, on October 17, 2021. The gospel lesson that our, our sermon will be based on comes from Mark chapter 10. Verse 17, if you're following along in your your bulletin, it's on page 9 there. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to one another, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Intense sorrow grips your heart. As you give your condolences to the family, And then you proceed to walk past the casket. As you look on this lifeless corpse, you think, what a wonderful man this guy was. He did so much good throughout his lifetime, and he left so many things behind him. But despite all of the the wonderful memories that you have of him, and despite the impact that he had on you and your life, there's still this sadness and sorrow that grips your your heart. Because it was no secret to anyone that this man did not believe in Jesus. And so you're confronted with a question. If this genuinely good man, if this incredibly decent man uh, could not be in heaven... How could 
I be? Behind that question is, is the prickling of your own conscience, right? Because comparatively speaking, your life doesn't nearly have as much good in it as, as this man's life did. And so when you compare his life and yours, you think, if this man does not have eternal life, who then can be saved? Maybe you think about it often, maybe you don't, but, but whether we think about it often or not, it, death is coming to, to all of us. One day you will die and one day I will die. We, we won't escape death. And, and King Solomon talked about this a little bit in, in Ecclesiastes. He said, God has written eternity on the hearts of mankind. So, so what he was saying there is, is everybody thinks about it. Everybody thinks about the, that one day they will die and they wonder what's going to happen after they die. Because King Solomon says that, that eternity has been written on the hearts of mankind, everybody thinks about it. Some tried to deny it, some tried to reason it away, but it is woven into to who we are as, as human beings. One day we will we'll die, and so we all are faced with the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Everybody comes to that same question. The same question that this young man came to Jesus and asked in our reading for today. He runs up to Jesus, he falls on his knees, and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You can almost feel the desperation as he's on his knees before Jesus, and he's unloading this question that has been bothering him for, for some time. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He, I, I just want to make sure that I have all of my bases covered. I, I don't want to leave any box unchecked. I want to make sure that when I die, I am in eternal life. Maybe we can understand the question a little bit. Because maybe if we had the opportunity to ask Jesus something similar, maybe we would too. Just to make sure, just to double check, right? Do, do we have all the boxes checked? Just tell me what to do, Jesus, and I will do it. What, what must I do to in, inherit eternal life? But the, the question that the young man asks kind of reveals that he doesn't really understand how the kingdom of God works. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Those two words, do and inherit, they don't go together. An inheritance is not something you do something for. You're merely born and, and you're a passive participant in that. And an inheritance is something that is freely given to you. It's not merited whatsoever. So, so his question has a, has a false premise to begin with, but, but perhaps even Jesus' response to him is a, a little puzzling as well. He, he doesn't answer exactly how we, we think he would. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So, so what does Jesus say here? Is he saying that he's not good or is he saying he's not God? Well, he's saying neither. But he's responding to the premise to which this guy is asking this, this question. Jesus is saying, you call me good, but you don't see me as God. And really, he actually is answering the question. He says, no one's good. Not even you, young man. 
But th- this young man is not quite ready to hear that just, just yet. Because he has run up to Jesus, he has fallen on his knees, and yet the entire time he's still looking at himself. Not Jesus. Himself. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Oh, how lost we are. But when our thoughts and our focus is always turned inward. But when we'd rather look into a mirror and see ourselves than look into the Word and see Jesus. When we'd rather have something to do than focus on the thing that is already done. But Jesus says, okay, have it your way. You know the law. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. If you want something to do, then then here you go. Here's the law. Keep the law. To which the young man responds, teacher. And notice he doesn't call him good this time. All these I have kept since I was a boy. <laughs> oh, the height of arrogance, huh? Oh, the height of blindness. You can, you can see this man propping himself up before Jesus, building his tower of obedience that's going to reach to, to the heavens. But he can stack all of his obedience up as high as he wants. That, that tower is never going to reach to heaven. But, but seemingly with a very genuine heart, he says, all these I have kept since I have since I've been a boy. He thinks that he has kept the law. So it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. Go, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, for your treasure will be in heaven, and then come, follow me. When Jesus looks at this man, he really sees him. It, not just his appearance, he, he really sees him. He sees this man's heart. So why did Jesus say what he said to this rich young ruler? He said what he said because it was the quickest way to pierce the proud conceit of his heart. With one sentence, he shows this man that he has not truly been loving God and he has not, not truly been loving his neighbor. He's trying to say to this man, young man, The one thing you lack is everything. You lack the very love for God and the love for your neighbor that is the the heartbeat of the law. And for all your proud piety, you are nothing but a beggar before God. Do you not understand that? And with one sentence, the law is shattered beneath this young man's feet. The tower of obedience that he had built came crashing down, and he was left helpless, hurt, and bleeding spiritually. Because maybe for the first time in his life, his eyes were open to his own frailty as a human. His eyes were open to the depravity of his own heart. Because he was willing to to maybe keep the other commandments, but he was unwilling to do what Jesus was asking him to do. He was wealthy. He had a lot of things. He was, he was unwilling to part with his things to, to follow Jesus. And so it says, At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. 
without Jesus penetrating the, the steely exterior to our hearts, we kind of be the same as this young man. We'd be consumed in, in our, our pride. We'd be consumed in, in our self-righteousness. We'd think that we have kept the law, or we, maybe even worse, we'd think that we could keep the law, all the while blind to, to our greatest need, blind to Jesus. But Jesus preaches a message to the, the disciples, to this man, to, to us today, that, that our consciences are already preaching to us. That your good and my good is not good enough. And when we realize that, if our eyes are still turned inward on ourselves, then we aren't going to be rejoicing over the joys that we will have in heaven, but we'll be left like this young man to walk away with our head hanging low, sad, because we recognize the depth of our own sinfulness. We'll be left to cry out in desperation. Who then can be saved? Because it certainly can't be me. I could never be good enough. It is impossible. It's, it's kind of an emotional scene here for, for the disciples even to, to witness all of this. Because as the disciples are witnessing this, they went from being very confident in their salvation to now they have a few doubts. And, and it really doesn't get much better when Jesus starts explaining things to them. He says this, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It says the disciples were amazed at this. This this is blowing their mind right now. And then Jesus says again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Again, the disciples were amazed at this and said to each other, who then can be saved? The world that the disciples had known was just blown to pieces in front of them. How could this morally upright man not have eternal life? The level to which this troubled the disciples, even after reading this, is kind of maybe even hard for us to grasp. They are are distressed over, over hearing this. Because they're looking at this man, they're saying, this man is up upright and he keeps the law he's a good person the whole world would look at him that way and on top of that he was rich the jewish culture in jewish culture they believed the lie that that riches meant god's favor so this man was morally upright and he was rich so in the disciples minds if anyone deserved eternal life it was this man and so as the disciples are watching this unfold, they're, they're comparing this man to themselves. If this man does not have eternal life, being upright and, and wealthy, how could a lowly disciple have eternal life? It's a sobering thought. It's a sobering thought for a Christian. When Christians look out and they see a lot of people out there that are better than, than them, they see people that are, are nicer, they're, they're more hospitable, they do more for, for charity, volunteering their time and, and giving their, their money. They generally seem to always be in a good mood, and they're not even Christians. If they don't have eternal life, how, how could I? And Jesus doesn't quell our, our, our fears right away. He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle 
Camels weigh like a thousand pounds, an eye of a needle is tiny, you can't even see it. A camel can't go through the eye of a needle. He can stomp on it, but he's not, he's not going through it. It's impossible. So, so who then can be saved? This all leads us to, to, to the very climax of this story. It says, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. God has done the impossible for you. He has sent camels flying through the eyes of needles all over the place. He he has done this for you. Who then can be saved? You can. And it starts with recognizing, admitting what, what this rich young ruler would not. That we so desperately need the grace and mercy of our God shown to us totally and completely in Jesus. The, the path to the kingdom of God is not about accruing my obedience and stacking it up in a, in a tower. It's not about trying really, really hard to, to do better and to, to keep the law. It's not about trying really hard to earn God's favor. The path to the kingdom of God goes only through Jesus, who has shown you love and mercy. But what did Jesus have that this young man didn't? Well, this young man could not love God with all of his heart. This young man did not love his neighbor, but Jesus did. Jesus perfectly loved God and was perfectly obedient to him. He perfectly loved his neighbor, and he did that for you. He did it for, for me, not, not as an accomplishment, not, as, not to just show you, hey, you can do it too. He did it in your place. He did it so that you could have eternal life as your, your substitute. And with that, he opened wide the doors of, of heaven for you. And he has rendered this man's question invalid altogether. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Nothing! Nothing. It's done. It's already been done. There, there's no, no extra check marks on the checklist. There's nothing left for you to do. You don't have to cover any more bases. It has already been done for you in Christ. There's nothing left to do but to believe that Jesus has already done it for you. So now, <laughs> instead of walking away with our head hanging low. We get to stand next to Jesus. We get to stand next to Jesus with joy, with peace, with consciences that, that are clean, with in the day of our own death, knowing that there is nothing left to do. It's already been done. Amen.